welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. Welcome to season two. We have some new recording equipment. We're recording via video for the first time ever, so you get to see our faces and how much I gesticulate with my hands, which I think we mentioned, you know, six or seven times in season one. In any case, today's episode is going to be a little bit of a reintroduction. So a bit on who we are, what is health coaching, and why move daily. So we're gonna dive into some of the multifaceted benefits of both movement and nutrition, but why those are not the only two things we have to consider within health coaching. So some of our episodes this year are going to be for specific populations like Ehlers-Danlos, and we're gonna bring in some special guests for that. Um, But today's episode is for absolutely anybody of any age, of any population who wants to take their health and fitness into their own hands. So as always, you guys can find us on our website at movewelldaily.com and on Instagram at move underscore daily underscore EDS. So a few of the other topics we're going to be covering this year, which I'm pretty excited about, are the mind-body connection and how to really tune into your body. Uh, As said, we're going to dive into a little bit more on Ehlers-Danlos and a little bit about pain, metabolism, and I'm really looking forward to dispelling a few really terrible nutrition myths because I get a little bit fired up about that topic. So to get going today, Freya's going to speak a little bit about herself, and then I'm going to jump in and talk a little bit about myself. So Freya Spence, here we go. Well, well, thank you for the introduction, Dane, um, and welcome back to season two. So uh, we thought it would be amazing. No, uh, amazing. No, Incredible. not really. Important mm. to tell you a little bit about who we are. Um, our season one focused a lot on having guests on, which we loved and we really enjoyed that, had some great conversations. And of course, we realized that a lot of our listeners who've come to tune in in the last like six months don't really know a whole lot about us. Um, So my name is Freya and I'm the founder and co-owner of Move Daily. Move Daily is a health coaching business located in Toronto, though we do service a lot of clients remotely. My path through the sort of health and fitness industry started at a relatively young age. Um, Athletically, I was committed to classical ballet at the age of like three, I think is when I started and I absolutely loved it. So I continued with that path for quite a long time and then um, encountered some health events in my teens. And that got me a little bit more curious about what is health and what helps somebody thrive. And so that two and a bit month foray in a hospital setting led me to want to study that further. So I eventually, when I graduated high school, left the dance world and dance path and was trying to figure out how to be healthy (laughs) um, in all sorts of ways. So from like a blood levels perspective, from a being able to move and do what I wanted to do perspective, from a pain-free perspective. And I went and studied human kinetics at the University of Guelph while I was there, sorry, let me try that sentence again. While I was there, I uh, worked at a sports clinic in my last two years, and um, I realized I really loved working with people. So as much as I have a deep appreciation for research and the sciences and discovery, um, and have a lot of curiosity there, I really loved working with people and seeing them succeed 
on their pathway towards health. I took a lot of ongoing education, and we both still do, because health, if anything, is something that we're still trying to understand, and I really like that about it. And so I studied just about every kind of movement I could get my hands on. The goal of that was to really obviously help myself, but it was also to help clients because I realized that things that I loved to do, like I was born into a family that loves movement and we all still move a lot, but I understood that not everybody came from that background and some people had learned to fear movement due to injury or past experiences. Um, some people really hated high intensity while others thrived on it. So my exploration was really to try to help figure out, sure, what recipes were good for me as far as like a movement dose, but which ones would allow my clients to thrive. And um, during my career, I worked in various sports clinic settings. And for the most part, we're working with people who've been injured. And some people, quote unquote, bounce back and other others don't. And a lot of it is um, figuring out creative solutions to help the person. It really isn't about the exact injury they have. Like once it's been identified and we're using different protocols and they're seeing their, their therapist, whether it's a physio or chiro, osteo, and so on, our job with movement is so much more than just the movement piece because there are other inputs that contribute to an injured state. There are other inputs in their environment that contribute to a well state. And that part of it was really what um, hooked me into, into all of this. And I've worked in education. I worked for a company that's located here in Toronto. I still work for Animal Flow, which a number of people have um, probably heard of at this point and we work with other coaches delivering certifications and all of it like I just love every aspect of this industry and the myriad of ways within which we can help people thrive personally along the way I was also further motivated um, to help a specific population that of hypermobility spectrum disorders and uh, EDS or hypermobility type EDS. It's been reclassified a couple times. Which is what um, I introduced as Ehlers-Danlos. Yes, yes, EDS is the acronym for that. Um, and again, I was personally motivated because uh, after many, many, many years, as I'm sure all people can who have it can relate, I finally figured out what it was that was kind of quote unquote weird about me and because um, I was using all these protocols to help other people thrive and you know some of them would sort of work for me but not fully. I could never fully get over an injury or I could never fully quote, quote unquote go back to something and I use bunny quotes there <laughs> because um, I don't really believe in going back anymore whereas at the time I I certainly did. And so in learning more about things as they fell apart in my own body, I learned how to thrive even with a system that has slightly different rules for living. And much of my education lately has centered around um, neurology in part and around exploring ways to help this population thrive because I firmly believe that they can and if um, we can figure out a better solution for it then people are not trapped in the pain cycle they're not trapped in getting treatment every single week and they're empowered and one of our main things at, at Move Daily is working with people so that they are empowered to make decisions that will serve their health and their goals in their life, whether that's movement, whether that's stress, nutrition. It hinges on the pillars of, of health, and some of that is also in relation to community and stillness. And 
So we've, we really try to take a whole picture approach here. And the reason behind that is just through years of experience and troubleshooting and sometimes frustration with our own state of being and not being able to get answers. And um, so, yeah, that's what took me from like this three-year-old who absolutely loved moving and ballet to explore a ton of different types of sports and movement modalities and then education around high performance and around performance that just meant being able to pick up your own groceries <laughs> and a little bit of everything in between. And I have uh, had my fair share of, of epic injuries and as much as I wouldn't wish them on anyone, it's been a big part of my process in understanding the physiology because I can understand those things from a book standpoint but I can understand the complexity behind an injury and where your identity goes and the, the moving forward versus the going back to things you did and the battles that that can create. Um, it's so much more complex than just knowing the anatomy of the joint. And so it's through all of those processes and the little ups and downs that Move Daily came to be exactly what it is. And um, it's more than just me, obviously. There's Dane here, and I'll let him introduce himself, and then we'll also chat about Roche. So Dane can give us insight into what brought him to where he is. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Freya. Uh, my story is quite different from that of Freya. Um, I'm a bit more of a bull in a china shop, I guess I would say. I grew up playing lots of sports, just regular boy from rural Ontario, I guess. I uh, went to Queens for physical and health education, so my initial piece of education is definitely in this industry. Um, I wasn't completely hooked into it right out of undergrad. I kind of fell into a marketing and sales job that allowed me to travel and, you know, continue living my little bit of a wild guy lifestyle. I liked to party a little bit back then, and uh, it was nice because I found a company that shipped me over to Belgium. And so I got to travel around Europe for a couple of years and it was a lot of fun. Um, I was feeling a little empty though. I needed to do something that I was passionate about. So when I finally moved back uh, from Belgium and I was 27 or 28, uh, that's when I got back into the fitness industry, got my CSES, uh, got my precision nutrition level one certification and really, really started doing a lot more reading and uh, started working with some friends just with their health and nutrition. Now, all along that path, when I was 20, when I got to Queens, I started lifting weights. So I was about 130 pounds dripping wet when I got there and quickly fell in love with it, just had some friends who really loved to lift and found some other friends who were doing strongman at the time, which was a very weird sport. And it's just that sport where you're lifting rocks and cars and a bunch of weird things. And it wasn't really a sport for, for small guys, um, but my friends did it. So I got into that. And it wasn't until I got back from Belgium, where I'd already given up on strongman, that I realized that there were weight classes in strongman now. And that intrigued me. So I started paying attention to my nutrition and with the hopes of I would compete in strongman. And that is really where my life kind of changed. The direction of my life really did go towards the whole health and fitness industry. At first, it wasn't really a health industry. It was all fitness. <laughs> um, and I just started lifting more. I became just a regular average Joe and was actually quite competitive. So I competed at five world championships. I was a two-time Canadian uh, strongman champion in the under 80 kilogram class. And I met Freya. Um, what did I meet Freya? About six or seven years ago now when I was like really what I would consider kind of like peaking at my strength and I felt like I was one of the top in the world at the time but I had a bit of a knee problem <laughs> and uh, we'll get into that in a bit but 
Um, I uh, tore the patella tendon in my knee, and that's when I realized it wasn't just all about crushing as many weights as possible. And I really started tuning into my body, I got my knee fixed up, uh, changed my entire mentality around health and fitness, and quit my day job and went full-time into nutrition coaching and started reading a lot more books, taking you know ongoing education, and that's Frey and I decided to start up Move Well Daily, and I guess the uh, the, hist- uh, the rest is history. It said Move Well Daily because that's the website, but it's Move Daily is the actual name of the company. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I love what I do. Um, I help clients with both movement and nutrition. With Move Daily, I handle a lot of the nutrition piece, um, but I'm very, very passionate about just helping people get more in tune with their bodies because it wasn't until I started paying attention to what my body was telling me that I really became who I am now. And I continue to evolve all the time, but um, there's a lot more to life than just nutrition and movement. There's so many more other aspects. And I think that kind of segues us really, really nicely into how we got together and started our health coaching, coaching practice at Move Daily. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, we, we actually started um, working together before Move Daily, Daily was in existence. Um, I was going to say, yeah, so we both trained at Fortis Fitness here yep. in Toronto. So we knew each other kind of in passing as trainers at the gym. And uh, Freya heard to the grapevine, I think, that I was n- a nutrition coach. And so she actually hired me to help her, um, I think, make weight for SFG, was that yeah, I've competed in a lot of sports, none of which have required weight classes. Mm-hmm. It, like, that's just not the kind of sport that I've ever been drawn to. So um, this was a certification that actually required that you use a certain weight if you are under a certain poundage <laughs> and then use another weight if you're over. And if you were over by like one pound, um, the weight was significantly heavier, but the the class was like a 40-pound stretch. It was silly. very big. It was a little bit silly. But anyway, um, the point is I was also in the process. I'd already worked with a few different nutrition people, and I was in the process of trying to find someone I could refer clients to because I no longer wanted to take care of the nutrition piece for people. I just wanted to focus on movement, um, especially because within a session, like you can 100% touch on nutrition and touch on habits, and we do that a fair bit. There's crossover. Um, but I you know, wanted to spend the session really diving into movement. (laughs) And so I was in the process of looking for someone that I jived with. And I I found that some people were really knowledgeable, but like they couldn't follow up well, or they didn't know how to flex their approach for a different type of client. And we really believe strongly that things need to be tailored. So if one person decides they really need to eat in a macro counting way, that's fine, but it shouldn't be the coach saying that everyone needs to eat this way. I'm not knocking that process. That's one system that works for a lot of people. It's just, I think we need multiple tools as coaches. So, so yeah, anyway, I hired Dane because he was in a weight class sport and I'd heard that he was doing more nutrition coaching. He still wasn't doing it full time. And, um, and we met and worked together over the course of that. I made the weight, which is just a small drop. Thank goodness. Cause water loading and stuff is just so unpleasant. I admire anyone who can do that. I can confirm. I like being able to just eat right up until my race. Correct. <laughs> um, 
anyway. Uh, but within, yeah, within that process, I ended up doing the higher weight anyway because they didn't have the lower weights available, which was ironic that it I went all through all that it. effort um, for not. But <laughs> anyway, so that's how we officially met. And I realized that like Dane could change his approach based on who he was working with. He was one of the most prompt coaches I had ever worked with in terms of getting back to any questions I had, which was, um, you know, should be a given but isn't always the way in any industry unfortunately so that's kind of where that started and we got along well little did she know she would fall in love with me all right <laughs> all right there actually this is an important time to mention that i'm <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that i'm especially when it comes to work very like not rigid but professional i'm professional and it's like it exists in a very different category than my personal life and so I'm very straight up <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so Dane when he wanted to communicate he knew this about me but when he wanted to communicate that it was uh, that he had other interests beyond professional or just friendship I actually had to communicate that very bluntly to me because I wouldn't have picked it up even if he smoked me over yeah. the head with it in an email I believe it was you no know, text by text, yeah. yeah. And we were answering one of her questions about this and that. And there's, okay, so now that that's done, by the way, from here on out, we are now officially flirting. I was oh. like, oh, okay. <laughs> right then. I'm very direct, so <laughs> that, that works out really, really well for me. Worked out well. I wouldn't have picked that up otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, within that, like Freya, I had also hired Freya to help me mm -hmm. after I was working her with nutrition because my knee wasn't feeling so hot, <laughs> as I yeah. kind of previously mentioned. But I thought it was just whatever, like maybe my quads were tight or maybe I was just inflamed, who knows? And she said, no, I think you should really get that looked, looked at. And so, yeah, I did. And uh, she hooked me up with some good people and it was a torn patella tendon and I had to get some stem cells injected into that puppy and got that all fixed up. And then I, I kept her as my coach. She came with me strongman competitions because I needed my coach there. And it was always hilarious because I was walking into these strongman competitions, all these giant behemoths and they're giant behemoth male coaches. And I've got this kilo blonde girl next to me and they're like oh is your coach i'm like yeah she's my coach like got a lot of blank stares cool, cool a cool, lot cool, of cool, blank cool, stares cool. anyway she got like she got wow. me to third in the world third in <laughs> the world did. so hey i i feel like i've made an excellent choice <laughs> thank you so anyway that is how we found each other um i think we had a great mutual respect for each other's skill sets mm -hmm. um and again we clearly work very well together we communicate well so we are partners in business and partners in life. Okay, gross, we're done with that. And yeah, well, I should also clarify, like we started working together in terms of like, if I felt a client needed the help that Dane could provide, I'd send them his way. Cause I was like, you don't need to work with me, you need to work with him um, and vice versa. And I was still teaching full time at the time. And, and that was kind of just the extent of things. Um, and then I had to, I had a big, big health knock and had to step back from uh, working full-time for a while, so I stepped back from teaching full-time because I was in very bad repair. And um, at that point in time, my business license, because I'd always had a business license because all my work with clinics was contract-based, um, was that for renewal. And I didn't want to be Spence coaching anymore because it's it's very much just, uh, it's just me. Like, Spence coaching is me. <laughs> and that's fine, but I believed in, I have always believed in teamwork when helping people with their health. And so I had been, my own personal mantra had been to move daily, and it was something I tried to impart with clients. And that doesn't mean exercise and train hard daily. It means move daily. <laughs> and um, so I just 
decided to see if the business name was free and it was like available and it was so I did and then I I gently suggested to Dane that we formalize that part of our partnership because we'd already been working together for a, a long while we knew we worked together super well it's like three or four years at this point um and so it was just like a gentle coax of like hey Dane so this is what I'm doing this is what I'm rebranding as Hey, Dayton, here's the website. So can I get your bio? <laughs> She's very sneaky. Even from the get-go's. Like, yeah, I need to hire you for my new my nutrition. I wonder if this guy's going to be... Meanwhile, it's an interview. Yeah. He doesn't know it. Cool. Cool. I was like, oh, like, here's what I'm doing. Yeah, he's got more people. Awesome. Cool, 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 cool. Like, but it worked out. It worked out. It worked out. It worked out. And since then, our team has grown even more. Yeah. So we have uh, Roche with us, which we met through... Um, company named DTS here in Toronto and we met him years back on a course then started teaching together he's he's one of our um well he's my fellow master instructor Canadian master instructor for animal flow and um the same thing he just shares a very similar ethos in terms of how we want to help clients move forward and um health first is, is a really big component of that and we all have a passion for learning which is great. So he's been an amazing addition to the team this year and um, super nice that we can continue to grow as a team because none of us really want to be a one-man show, so we're good with that. Or woman, sorry, to myself. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but yeah, Roach is, uh, Roach is a sponge. He's got a hell of a growth mindset and a uh, great communicator and uh, he's just he's willing to try anything, willing to learn anything, and he's a great member of the team. So... These are the kind of people we love to work with and the kinds of, I mean, kinds of clients we like to work with, the kind of people we like to surround ourselves with. If you have an open mind and you're willing to listen, it's, I mean, it goes a really long way. Um, so one of the main things that we get asked is what is health coaching? And, um, you know, it's a term that's come out a little bit more lately. First time I heard it was actually my uncle. I was visiting my uncle when I was... 19, no, probably 20, and trying to figure out what to do with my life. I was still in university and, and um, was considering sports medicine, but had started working at the clinic and really enjoyed that. So I was trying to figure it out and had helped him with a couple of things and helped my aunt with a couple of things while I was just there visiting. And he said, well, why don't you be a lifestyle coach? And I kind of was like, ah, that doesn't... Lifestyle doesn't I'm like, I don't really want to... <laughs> No, <laughs> didn't sit well. But then he said health coach, and, and that sounded interesting. Um, but again, I, I went through the path of being a personal trainer and then being uh, movement more on the movement therapist side of things. And then health coach really encompasses what we do. And I know a lot of other people are using that term because the, the key differentiator is that, uh, first of all, we put health first. And I'm not trying to be tongue-in-cheek here. It's just that there's health and fitness. And in some approaches, they put fitness first. So they put um, your cardiovascular fitness, your aesthetics, your weight first. Whereas we put health first. And it's not to vilify the other approach. It's to differentiate the two. So the fitness part comes, it's part of what we do, but it is not the main pillar. And so with a health coach approach, we take, we take account of all of the inputs that that person has in their day-to-day -day life. So we look at 
yes, we look at the stress load on that person. Again, not to vilify stress, but there is a certain critical threshold that every person has, and how are they managing that? Because that is a part of the input that's going into that body and will affect that body's health. Then we look at like what they do for joy and what they do for play, and if they have a paucity of that, there are things that will program differently within their exercise regime and their daily movement regime to encourage more of that parasympathetic activity. So we try to take account of all the things that are going on with their life and we understand that the rhythms change over time. And so with our programming, it's it's always individualized. We don't hand out any blanket programs. And we emphasize the life factor within all of that. And for some clients, like they're, they're um, in film and so they're on set for eight hours a day, whether they're the one being filmed or they're the one doing the filming. Well, that's a physical load on the body. And so many people don't really think of all those pieces of movement within their day and they wonder why they blow out their back at the gym and they blame the gym and it's like well no it was it was all the other load on your system that going to the gym was just like the final straw you were exhausted you probably shouldn't have been there anyway but if you'd listened to your system you would have known that um and we're fed all these uh messages about needing to exercise 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 and trust me i love movement so I can, I'm definitely one of those people that has overtrained in the past in a big way, and we've both been on the side of thinking more is better, but really what we were, we thought we were helping our health when we did that, it was all from a good place, but really we were just training fitness, because we weren't taking into account that in our, in our careers, we've also been highly physical, <laughs> so it's like, I didn't count my whole, you know, 12-hour teaching day with demos and things like that as physical. I was like, that's not exercise. Like, it's just like, that's category job. (laughs) Um, And so in summary, like health coaching is taking account of every single input somebody has. It's putting health first. Fitness is one of the pillars that comes out of that, but it is not the foundation because you can definitely get really fit and not be healthy at all. Um, And it's sustainable because if you are building your whole baseline and your physical self on with health first, that becomes sustainable. Anything that puts fitness as a top priority is not necessarily sustainable. And that can that has a time and place when it comes to like co- competition and stuff, but even then, you're a way better athlete if you slow down, take care of the health, and then build off of that. Um, and we've both learned that, and, and a lot of our clients have as well. So uh, a health coach is one that goes well beyond. We're looking at every single input that that physical body has, and then obviously what your mind has, because if, if you're going to work out after a stressful day, we're going to make sure that the training that you do is one that you can be fully mentally present for so that you don't get hurt um, in the process. Yeah. Absolutely. That summarizes it nicely. And I'll just kind of add into that. Um, You know, when I went out on my own, as I kind of mentioned earlier, um, quit my day job, I went into nutrition coaching and I I loved it. It was great. I interact with people. I had a little, I had a system, you know, you tracked food. Uh, I had certain categories that I always looked at and feedback to give people. And, you know, it would work like nutrition. If you focus just on nutrition for a lot of people, you can get results. But for a lot of people, I couldn't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that plays games. It's like, am I, am I not a good coach? You know, is it, is it the client who's not telling me? Like, it, it creates this sort of dissonance. And I was living with this dissonance. And again, I was, I was 
continuing my education. I was trying to be objective. I was bouncing things off Freya. I was trying new things. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're only looking at one input to the body, you can only do so much. And for some people, again, they were coming to me for nutrition, and I could right up front after the intake form just know food's not the problem here, you know, and start speaking to them about, you know, their sleeping habits and how they didn't drink any water and how they didn't move their body at all. And that could frustrate some people because they just thought, you know, well, I heard of this diet. I could just do keto and I'll lose all this weight. Okay, well, I'm always fighting an uphill battle here against social media, um, which is a great ongoing battle. Um, but yeah, it's health coaching is just how, you know, I think that if you get into this industry, you're going to gradually navigate to health coaching because if you stay stuck in one area, you're going to live with dissonance. You're going to find you can't get people the results you want. So you're going to have to start working with someone else or you're going to have to increase your skill set or you're going to live with clients who just do not have sustainable results. So I think that's really where it came to me and how this has grown into our partnership and bringing Roche on board. And that it's also teamwork. The more people you work with, the more open-minded you are, the more skill sets you have and the more people you can reach. Mm -hmm. um, and so along those lines, like our, our ethos and our naming, a lot of people will ask why I move daily and... Um, Certainly not the first people to have thought of something like this. But it started, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, as my own sort of like mantra. And again, it's not something that, it's not the same as training daily. It's not the same as exercise daily. It's moving daily. And when I was at the sports clinic here in Toronto, the um, larger one up north, it was interesting to me because I saw all ages, all levels of competition or not competition just like life performance um and you'd see the same injury in a different body and behave very differently and heal differently as i mentioned very uh, variable timelines and what always struck me was that the ones who were successful were the ones who would do like the two things the two small things every day it wasn't the person who would come into the clinic twice a week for half an hour and do a full like half hour thing then plus treatment twice a week without anything else on the other days it was the person who steadily did like two little things and I'll still I still remember this one woman had come in to see me because the doctor had referred her over and said you need to see Freya before I give you any sort of injections in your knee and she saw me and we went through a few little things we assessed her and discussed homework and then I asked her to come back the following week so that we could cover a little bit more in terms of techniques and and she didn't come back which is fine it happens she came back four or five months later and said her knee is so bad and she went to the doctor again and the doctor again said did you see Freya and she said yes he's like okay but did you actually like keep seeing Freya or follow anything that she asked you to do and she said no she was honest about it and so the doctor's like great you need to go see her <laughs> again, which I'm sure is not what the patient wanted to hear initially. Um, and so she, she said, he said that I couldn't get an injection until I'd seen you at least a couple of times. So she told me where her knee hurt, and, you know, I assessed her again just to see because it had been months and people's movement changes, and um, gave her one thing to start with. We were still, like, at the beginning of the session. And immediately her knee pain was gone. 
<laughs> and like, I'm not a magician. It was just, I thought, you know, I knew we'd have to do other things um, to bring stability to the system and to like retrain, you know, some patterns that just weren't serving her. But it was remarkable because immediately, like she she had just done the one thing and immediately had buy-in now um, because it was that one thing past the assessment phase that she hadn't done the first time. So the people who were successful were the people who were willing to commit to some small change done consistently because tissue adaptation takes time and getting to an injured state took you time. It, even when something happens like in an accident way, the reason behind the tissues that tore or broke, it was because that was where the weakest link was. And it's not a blame game. Like I sheared half my spine a few years ago now and lost function in my left arm and compressed my brainstem. I am smart enough to know <laughs> it was not fun. While I am very like good at blaming myself for things, I was like, okay, that's not gonna help anything. But I was able to look back and I realized, oh yeah, like the red flags were all over for the preceding like five years and it just was getting worse and worse. And I eventually was in an environment that created a catalyst effect. And so this wasn't anyone's fault. It wasn't fun, but it also with reflection and hindsight, you're just kind of like, right, that's what brought, those are the factors that brought me there. It took some time to get to that. Uh, aside from the congenital issues, nothing really occurs that spontaneously in the body. Um, so tissue adaptation, on the other hand, to recover, takes time. We used to think that somebody with back pain should go on bed rest. That was our understanding of, of health and, and pain. And, you know, we know a lot more about pain science now than we did even five years ago, I would say, uh, certainly more than 10 years ago, our understanding of anatomy has changed. If somebody, if a trainer hasn't refreshed their anatomy skills in the last like six years, yeah. they're just operating on an older understanding of, of what is within our skin suits. And um, is, again, it's not to harp on that, it's just this is such a growing industry and our understanding of the human body, both its resilience and its adaptability is really fascinating, at least I find it fascinating. But one of the key things it comes down to is that movement is the foundation. Bodies need to move. And pain operates as an alarm system, and we'll talk more about pain in future podcasts. It's there for a reason, and we do sometimes need stillness. If you break your arm, please don't go do bicep curls. Like, you need to Just be a little bit arm. still <laughs> initially. But we need blood flow. And muscles are an endocrine organ, which is, again, something that we didn't really know until recently. Very recently. For those who aren't um, clear on what that means, that means they signal. They, they operate as an organ. They signal not just amongst each other, but amongst other tissues. And so a lot of people these days are aware that um, your nutrition will impact your gut and your gut will impact your immune system and it will impact your mood. And that is true. But movement will do so as well. It will impact your insulin sensitivity. It will impact your pain sensation. It will impact how the other organs or it will communicate with the other organs. Um, it will impact your mood. And like, so there are there's actually, uh, it, I thought it was quite cute, um, the author of Joy of Movement, Kelly McGonagall, right there. She, uh, she called them hope molecules because the myokines that come from muscles um, as little signals can operate as hope molecules, which is why you find a lot of people who battle depression uh, fall into endurance sports because they're really great for that. 
And so move daily, again, comes back to people who are willing to make those small little changes and to realize that the extremes aren't necessary. And when we model our exercise habits based off of extreme promises, like you'll get your fittest ever in eight weeks, or this Olympian did this for their diet and their movement regime, heads up, unless you're an Olympian in that specific sport and you're built like that particular Olympian, that doesn't suit you. If you're a parent, you have other stressors. And the dose that people can use, the movement dose people can use to get all these mood benefits and so on, is actually quite quite small, <laughs> surprisingly. Like there are researchers here in Toronto that are researching just how small you can go. But what we encourage people to do is outsource movement. Uh, sorry, not outsource movement, to source movement within their day that they have outsourced. That means walking to the grocery store instead of... Um, getting them to deliver it. And yes, even in a pandemic, that's probably pretty safe most places, at least in our area. I don't want to be um, rude towards the areas that it is more difficult, but like in our area, you can walk there. There are definite ways, like you can cut your own vegetables. That's a way of sourcing your own movement within your day. And we found that a lot of people outsource it. So they have this higher stress. They're not utilizing this beautiful endocrine organ that is muscle tissue within their body. And then all the other things they're trying to do for their health is kind of like it's all kind of falling flat because they've chased extremes of diets and things like that. And they have forgotten that it's just the small things done daily that are specific to them, their needs, their lifestyle. Don't compare yourself to like a 19-year-old if you're three times that age and you have a lot more demands on your plate. Like we really need to hone in to what you need to thrive, but movement is a key, key component of that. That reminds me of the um, the research paper that I don't think Stu Phillips was involved in it. I think he just posted on social media the other day um, that compared... I forget the exact populations that they use within the study, and I understand this is just one study, um, but they had three different groups, and they had different uh, daily step counts. Oh, yeah, that one. And so if you had under 2,500 or under 5,000 or over 8,000, they tested out to see you know what the results would be, and basically they found anybody taking under 8,000 steps a day was actually exercise resistant. So if you did an exercise bout outside of you know your daily step count, if you didn't take 8,000 steps daily, so if you were very sedentary and you just sat around all the time, you actually got fewer benefits from that exercise bout than you would if you were an active person who walked and took a few more steps every day. Mm. Really interesting research. But that's the kind of stuff, again, why move daily. If you don't have that pillar of just using your body like a human is intended to use the body, you're going to have trouble. Yeah, it's, and it's the same as osteoarthritis, right? Like the concept there was fragility and that surgery was inevitable. And um, as someone who <laughs> has had osteoarthritis for a little while now, from a young age, I can attest to the fact that like I don't want surgery. So I was willing to find anything that would help. And some of it was removing inputs, like movement inputs that uh, I had to kind of I loved, but I had to sort of break up with because I knew they weren't serving my physiology. And then some of the research shows that like just accelerating in your walking gait and doing five minutes of fast walking a day changed the time, uh, the timeline for surgery for some of the people who are already on the list. So the people who are already on the list to get knee surgery or knee replacement, I should say, in that context, postponed it. They delayed that by a significant margin, it was a number of years in some cases. Again, it's like operating on averages, so I'm sure it was less for some people and 
more for others. Um, but it was just down to brisk walking, adding in brisk walking to their day. Yeah. And th- that alone also builds up confidence and somebody doesn't feel like they're a victim to a body part. And I'm a big believer that you should try to keep your body parts for as long as possible rather than accepting surgery as an inevitability, which I understand a lot of people have been taught. That's not something people inherently, you know, grow up. I want to be bionic and have all these replacements. I can get a new Um, Unless it gives me superpowers, then no. (laughs) But I I think it's changing the dialogue of like taking care of all of our parts as long as possible because surgery is no walk in the park and you have to prep people for surgery. And, you know, when I've, prep people for surgery it's always a good sign when we get towards the surgery date and they're like I actually feel really strong I don't want to get it and in some cases like you absolutely have to it's like you've got no ligaments there but it's good to feel that way because going through surgery is an event and it's a massive physical event especially depending on what it is joint replacements um, a big deal and I've had some cousins who've had to do that and they are committed to the the regrowth process, but it's not like just a little walk in the park where you get to go back to the body you had. That replacement has new rules and you end up needing to learn the new rules of that joint going forward. Yeah. So it's very, very much similar to why health coaching it's, you know, why daily movement is health sustainability. Mm -hmm. If you do not have that piece, it's going to be very hard to sustain any gains you make with your health. Um, And I think that brings me into the nutrition side of things. And again, nutrition and movement are just two pillars of health. There are many others. Uh, These are kind of the ones that, you know, we started with and they're really our wheelhouse. Um, And so on the nutrition side of things, I mean, my own personal bias is I saw the benefits that focusing on nutrition had for me personally when I went from just a guy who lifted weights to a world-class strongman athlete. The real you know, catalyst for that was me paying attention to what was going into my body. And when I paid attention to what was going into my body, guess what else I did? I paid more, a little bit more attention to stretching. I paid a little bit more attention to going to sleep. I did all these other little things that I wasn't really focused on, but I did them more because I started paying attention to other inputs, not just going to the gym and lifting weights. So my personal bias really led me to nutrition coaching, and that's why I'm still really passionate about nutrition. Um, And then again, if we want to dive into the research, the research is really clear that nutrition does have a massive impact on other things. People who skip breakfast, people who eat less, they move less later in the days as well. So you go back to the health sustainability piece. If you're skipping breakfast, then your body's going to tell you later in the day, don't move because you didn't eat as much. And then you're not going to have that daily step count that we said, and you're going to become exercise resistant. And you're going to wonder why you're spinning your wheels. Oh, I'm skipping breakfast. I heard fasting was great. Why am I not getting results? You have to backtrack and and find that that key piece. And, you know, if you're nourishing yourself, you're going to have more energy. You can have better workouts, get those results. Um, Another really key piece of research that I love is one simple habit that I give a lot of people is just to not eat at night. Don't eat after dinner. People who eat after dinner have much worse health outcomes than people who eat more early in the day and do not eat after night, whether that's obesity, whether that's ADHD, mental health issues, depression. Uh, Just released a blog about this, actually, and it really hammered home. Like, one of the key things for healthy populations is that they do not eat late at night. Um, And this is really just, that's a nutrition piece. That's, like, one input that has a massive, you know, impact um, at that point in time, in terms of timing of your daily cycle, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the mainstream articles would focus on weight gain. They're like, oh, if you don't eat breakfast, you won't gain weight, or then it was if you don't snack late at night, you won't you won't gain weight, or you will gain weight. Like they've been, 
in conflict for as long as I can remember, but it, we have a greater understanding of our circadian rhythms. We uh -huh. have a greater understanding of why we sleep. We have a greater understanding of the glymphatic system and the need to have good quality recovery strategies and eating like an hour before your bedtime when you maybe skipped mm -hmm. your meals and started eating at 3 p.m., kind of just missed a massive window of opportunity when your body was really ready to digest mm -hmm. earlier in the day. And uh, don't get me wrong, like we'll fast, especially when we travel, which obviously we haven't done recently. Um, womp womp. We will fast and we'll fast like the entire time that we're traveling, which can be like 30 hours. And then we start our first meal when it's daylight in the new location. But that's, those are all signals to your body of like, oh, cool, it's start of the day. You feel really ragged, but it gets you over that jet lag really quickly. And what we find is people stay within the same time zone, but the way they eat and treat their bodies is putting them in kind of like a jet lagged state because you're always working against when a body is naturally better able to process foods. It doesn't want to process food right before sleep. Now you've compromised your sleep. And that's why you don't feel hungry in the morning because you have trained yourself to eat late at night. It doesn't mean that you're physiologically at a point of advantage by consuming whatever it is at night. And I think that was a very good example of context. So here we're not saying never fast. We're not saying never eat before bed. Like there is context. There are certain situations and certain people with certain goals where those things apply. And I think that's where social media, for example, gets really confusing. And I guess nutrition and health advice is really confusing in general because there's a sliver of truth to almost all that advice if applied to the proper, uh, proper population. So uh, this, again, this is just to say avoid extremes, understand what the context is of the advice. This is why you do seek a professional instead of just asking, you know, Google, what is the answer? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really important to understand the context of, of and now I think we'll move on to some homework. <laughs> so in our first episode, or sorry, in our first season, we always gave you book recommendations. And our guests shared their one thing, their one actionable thing that they took every day to take care of their health. So what we decided we would do with this season's podcast is also give out a little bit of homework for listeners that don't necessarily work with us, understanding that we can't individualize it in that context, so it's a little different. But um, the first bit of homework, as it were, in terms of movement is just gaining curiosity about sourcing movement within your day. So if you are someone who already moves a ton, don't worry about it. You move for work, you need to focus on recovery. But if you're someone who in this current day and age is largely stuck inside, which is understandable, and at a desk within certain fixed postures. And if I asked you today, what postures do you spend most time in every day? And you labeled like two. If you're that person, then try to source more movement into your day and figure out how it's not about adding a ton of time or hours to your day at all. It's quite the opposite. It's figuring out what things do you do that you could you know, stand up and pace around for? What things do you do in terms of the errands that you could maybe carve out some time to go do instead of spending time ordering online, for example? So if you take a curious lens to your day and look at the key postures you spend most of your time in, if it's under six postures, under six postures, consider how you can source more movement. That Sit on might the ground. Mean, yeah, that might mean um, sitting on the ground for a while to change your level. Getting up and down from the ground is a life skill. 
long-term life skill and it is the inability to do so is associated with all-cause mortality so you could just when you're doing certain work tasks where you don't need to be at a desk sit down on the ground and do them there or if you're taking a call that isn't zoom we're really big fans of we will do zoom calls but we will also do just audio so that we can walk while we're discussing something if you don't need to be tied to your screen, then don't. This also comes down to like maybe prepare your own food rather than buying something that is pre-prepared. I understand that's more time consuming and I told you the homework wouldn't be massively time consuming, but it's time well spent because that is one way to source movement. When we're cooking, it's not a massive endeavor, but it's enough of one that it changes your stimulus. And the whole point here is that if you get towards the end of your day and you have only experienced a couple different postures within your body and that occurs day in day out throughout the week don't be surprised if things start to hurt and I don't mean to be negative here it's just that that is how it happens it's an accumulation over time that's all it is so you can sit on the ground you can stand up you can still be working and just changing your levels creates a massive difference to your energy and your focus because you can regain a little bit of executive function just by taking a minute to stand up stretch go look outside change the input to your eyes and then come back to your task at hand so rather than thinking about what new exercise regime do I need to interject into my life? Start with just sourcing more movement in it and see what happens. I love it. And uh, the next thing, we're going to do a nutrition piece of homework. And again, nutrition can get very complicated, so we want to keep this as simple as possible. And I will remind you, if things are going great and you feel fantastic, don't worry about this homework because you're, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. So if things are great, don't worry about it. If, though you have you know, some pretty big swings in energy in your days, or some pretty big swings in your mood, for example, or some digestive issues that you can't quite figure out. Then what we're gonna recommend here is that you actually time your meals. So this is an interesting one where what we find is a lot of people just zip through their meals. They're eating on the go. They're just cramming some processed food down their face as quickly as possible just to get onto the next task. We all know that time, people feel is like it's the number one barrier to making a change. So. Uh, time your meals. And the way we're going to help you with this, because that can, you know, it's going to go, how time my meals? Where am I going to, where am I going to log it? Well, we have a tracking sheet that is going to be free for you to download on our website. So if you go to movewelldaily.com, go to our shop, uh, you will find it there and you can use the code time meals, all in capital letters. We will put it in the show notes. So it is written there for you as well. Um, all caps, just type that in, get your, time meal tracking sheet and then see if you can time up how long do your meals take what are you eating and how do you feel after this is about looking for patterns so we have a monday to fr or monday to sunday and you're going to be able to see how many times a day are you eating how long are those meals it's going to give you some information and from there you can pair up oh wow maybe i'm always getting an energy lapse because i skip lunch every day that's a pretty obvious example, but this is something that happens a lot and people don't realize it because they have so many other priorities. So go to the website, grab the tracking sheet and time your meals because it can give you some great information as to why you're not feeling so hot. And last but not least, we are going to give a book recommendation for those who would like them. I am a big fan of books. <laughs> Fran's a big fan of books, guys. I almost have to start sneaking them into the house because I feel kind of bad that Dane's going to judge me so when more keep coming in. So many boxes, guys. <laughs> um, so it's the joy of movement. And I think 
it's a very easy read. It's a lovely read. She's done a great job. Kelly McGonigal is the author there, and she's done a wonderful job of collecting a lot of different research and stories to kind of put it all together in examples of how to find joy in movement and that you don't need to, you know, buy into one way of moving. Like, if you hate running, then you don't have to run. There are other ways to get your heart rate up and take care of your lungs and, and more importantly, source joy out of everything that you do to get those, what she affectionately termed, hope molecules <laughs> out of your muscles. Um, so I thought it was a great book. It's an easy read, like I mentioned. It's written so that a coach could read it, but the layperson can definitely understand everything in there and perhaps even be a little bit inspired by um, some of the stories she shares in order to push the envelope and explore other options. I have not read, read it. It is in my many books to read pile that I'm trying to catch up to Freya with, but there's so many. I don't know how her brain goes so fast. Or maybe I should just stop paying so much attention to baseball and just read more books. But we all have to have our passions that we love, guys. <laughs> it's definitely your problem in baseball season. <laughs> it's not even baseball season yet. I'll, I guess catchers and pitchers are reporting soon, guys. So we get, Anyway. <coughs> She's upset now. <laughs> so to recap, the first episode of season two of the Move Daily Health Podcast, health coaching is multifaceted. So there is movement, there's nutrition, and there's sleep. There is many aspects to consider. That is why we are health coaches, because there's many things you have to look at to really get results and sustainable health for people. Um, one of the key things being Move Daily mentioned some of the research if you're not moving daily it's hard for those other inputs to have their true impact uh, the homework we gave you today just to remind you is that you're looking for ways to source movement find some little ways to get more movement in your days and time your meals um, just to see hey are you pairing up what you're eating with how you're feeling later in the day and to resolve some of those potentially energy mood digestion issues so i think that's all for today but tune in next time as we dive into the mind-body connection and how to truly listen to your body. So again, you can find us at movewelldaily.com. You can find us on Instagram at move underscore daily underscore EDS. And you can find us here on the Move Daily Health Podcast, of course. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.